You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Good morning, everyone. How are you? My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and I get to preach today. Woo! I'm a, thank you for the one who clapped. No, uh, uh, it's been, I've been, uh, normally I, I preach quite a bit, and last three weeks I've been off and, um, and supporting a lot of things that we're doing here, and so I'm itching to preach, and I can't wait. I've got like three sermons ready to go all at the same time, so hang on. It's going to be an awesome time this morning, and we're going to have a great time together this morning, so I'm glad that you're here. Um, did you all get your key this morning? Everybody got your key? Okay, if you didn't, need it, anybody need a key? The ushers were handing these out. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out what they're, what that's about as we go along. It has something to do with what we're going to talk about this morning. But how many of you, uh, use keys in your life? Pretty much everyone. Or maybe it's like a, a passcode. How many of you use passcodes to get into your computer or your phone? Yeah, many of you, uh, many of you use those, the, the, some of you use those chip access cards, you know, you swipe it across and it goes green and you can get into your room or access to where you need to go or, 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 or some, uh, they're now using facial recognition. Um, and, and that is that, you know, they'll scan across your face and, and some are using like the retinal scans, you know, they look at your eye and say, okay, you can let, have access. I think, uh, there's there, some of the phones that we're, they're going to have there now. If you want to unlock it, you just kind of look at it, and it, it opens up to you. <laughs> I heard that the actually the airport is looking to uh, you know do that ID, not necessarily look at your ID, but just to have your face scanned. Woo! <laughs> Boy, I tell you, it's getting kind of interesting out there. But you know, all there's um, all all function a bit differently, but all apply the same principle. Unless there is alignment, there's no access. Your key has to line up with the preset tumblers to be able to work. Your code has to match uh, the preset password. Your card's chip has to register or it just simply will not work. In the battle of the lock and key, the lock wins every time. The key must align to the lock. But oh, the frustration when it doesn't work. I was coming to my house. I was, I was, I needed to drop some stuff off before I went to a, a, a meeting and I put my key in the lock of my front door and it just, it, it wouldn't turn and I was frustrated. What's wrong with this lock, right? Until I looked down at the key and went, Oh, that's to open my office door. Okay, let me try the right key that actually aligns and opens it. Or the other time I was at the grocery store and I was, I was buying some things and I kept swiping and kept swiping and kept swiping, you know, do the thing on the, you know, swipe it again, rub it, swipe it again, you know, and finally the, the cash register person, a checker is, is she waiting patiently for me and says, um, you might want to try a different card rather than your Disney pass. <laughs> I even tried to use the chip. <laughs> you know, so I got out the right card that aligned with my codes to be able to work. Or, or yeah, you've had that frustration where you've just, you've punched in your passcode or, or a password and you know it's right and it's not working. Because, you know, nowadays it has to have like capitals and numbers and symbols and, you know, spaces and colors and stuff. It's got to be all in there. 
and it just won't work. And now it's, you know, it's got to be longer and you have to change it every so often. But, uh, uh, we get frustrated. Uh, you know, I mean, shouldn't it work anyway? Uh, I, I want, I want to get in. I want to use my bank. I want to access to my computer. Uh, <clears throat> shouldn't it just align to me? Now that sounds silly. And yet our human nature pushes us to want our environment, our world, to revolve or align to us. However, this align me notion runs in direct opposition to a sovereign God who, as Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, that his ways are different than ours. His ways are higher than ours. And all through scripture, we are taught that God is the one in charge and we should align to him. He is the potter and we are the clay, as I, uh, Isaiah 64 verse 8 talks about. that The, the clay doesn't say, oh, I want to be a vase. And the, and the potter goes, oh, okay, I'll make you into what you want. No, the, the, the potter has an idea in his mind and begin, in her mind and begins to mold that clay how he wants to. See, we're to align to God as well. God is father, coach, trainer who guides us through discipline as Hebrews uh, chapter 12 verses 3 to 11 talk about. And all discipline is not pleasurable for the moment. It's sometimes difficult. But God is the only true God, the, the true authority in life. Yahweh, as the Old Testament talks about that, all everything, I am God, who leads us, as Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5 say, and really all of Scripture talks about. Almighty God is the one who sets the, 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 the way we should go, and we are to align to him, not him aligned to us. When we align to him, it's a life that seeks to relate to each other in kindness and humility, to, to be generous, to be others focused. This life aligned to God is to, to know God more and to seek to do our best and to continue to align our hearts to his. It's our choice to align our hearts to God's. And when we do, there's amazing peace. There's Incredible fulfillment and purpose in life and, and joy beyond belief, deep joy, even in the midst of difficulty. And yet when we don't align the core of our being to God and seek to try to get everything to align to us, peace is fleeting, purpose comes up empty, fear dominates, and joy is rare and very difficult to find. Now, God just to just give up on us, just saying, okay, you know what? Try to figure out how to align, uh, even though you're supposed to align to me, and just let us go, and we're wandering aimlessly around life, and let us actually self-destruct. But his loving kindness continues to seek to help us align. He doesn't give up on us. He constantly helps us in his loving way so that we could find purpose in life. Because purpose in life is found in alignment to him. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, uh, which plans for shalom, that's the peace and prosperity and wonderful things, not plans for calamity, not plans for difficult things. He's got that for us when life is aligned to him. Not only that, a life full of abundance. John 10, 10, Jesus said that I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. That's to the maximum to, to live out our full potential. It's not found when we are trying to align everyone to us, but it's found when we align to God, that abundance is there, that purpose is there. 
And not only that, a life when we align to God is saturated in love. I love how First uh, John 4.10 puts it, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation. That's a word that means atonement for our sins. You see, the problem is we have this issue uh, that we aren't, we, we are not born aligned to God immediately. We're actually born quite the opposite. We're born in, the Bible calls in sin, a, a distance between us and God, and there is no alignment in our life to him. And, and try as we might to align ourselves to him, we just can't do it. We can act good every now and then and, and have good thoughts and all this kind of, but our lines are not aligned to him. It's just impossible for us humanly to do that. And we need help. I know the person next to you needs a lot more help than you do, but we need help. And, and, and that's why God sent us a savior to save us from this unaligned condition. And he's handed us the key, which is belief in him. When we believe in him, understanding that we're sinful, need a savior, and it's Jesus, life aligns and opens up to us an amazing life of alignment with God, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful. And it's available if we choose to yield our will and surrender to his. It can't be the other way around, because then we're actually seeking to be God, which actually is humanity's problem an issue from the beginning. So the question comes, how do we get and stay aligned to God? Well, in a very interesting book of the Bible, actually kind of a crazy story of one person who uh, was not only trying to run from God, but actually wanted God to align to what his thinking was. It's a very interesting book. It's a very small book in the, in the Bible. It's the book of Jonah, and it's about the person named Jonah, prophet of God. And has four chapters, four amazing chapters, giving us four views of God and, and choices to make to align our hearts to his. And it starts in chapter one with grasping God's mercy, his gracious character of kindness, even when we're in rebellion. Even when we're trying to get everything to align to us and even God to align to us. Well, as we look at this chapter this morning, we'll look at four amazing truths of God and four choices to respond, challenging us that, and here's a key phrase I'd like you to remember, our trusted response to God's character aligns our hearts to his. So before we jump into this, if you wouldn't mind setting your Bibles aside, why don't you stand up and let's ask God to teach us, because I, I believe he really has something for us, each one of us today, and not just a key, but that, that has something to do with it. <laughs> Father God, thank you or the truth of your word. And Lord, this funny story of a supposed prophet of God that actually didn't do so good. Lord, help us to learn from his bad example and maybe even challenge us this morning and some things that we're dealing with. And Lord, help us to more align to you. So we pray this and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat, and I encourage you to take out of your uh, worship folder that Carrie was talking about this morning. There's a lot of things in there. I'll tell about the survey in a little bit, but take out the outline that's there. Inside, there's uh, on the outline, there's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen, and I encourage you to jot down some notes, but uh, also 
at the end of the service and in the lobby area, there are these study guides that we produce almost every Sunday. Uh, on one side is the answers to all of the fill-in-the-blanks, plus all the extra verses, even the ones I've just mentioned in the introduction here, are written in there. The other side are a number of questions you can use for personal Bible study, but most all of our life groups use this as a study guide to walk through a Sunday. So I encourage you to pick one of those up there in the lobby area afterwards, and it'll help you with that. So take your Bibles and turn to Jonah. If you don't have a Bible, our wonderful ushers have a stack of Bibles are walking down the aisle. They're just waving them. They'll let's give you a loner uh, for this morning. Encourage you to open that up to the Bible book of Jonah. Jonah's found around the middle of your Bible. It's around Psalms, and then just keep going east. You'll find Jonah. It's in a section called the Minor Prophets, and we'll look at that this morning as we go through this. Uh, Jonah is a spokesman of God, uh, a prophet, uh, speaking prophetically. This is what the Lord says. Uh, challenging people to align their hearts to God's. That was Jonah's job. Uh, Jonah was a prophet in the 8th century B.C. Uh, he was a, a popular prophet because in it was a time of amazing growth and wealth for the nation of Israel. Second Kings chapter 14, verse 25 puts it this way, And he, that's God, restored the borders of Israel from Label Hamath, as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which was spoken by his servant Jonah, that's the Jonah we're talking about, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath-Hefer. Jonah had proclaimed Israel would expand their borders, and God did. People were experiencing the blessing of God once again. And Jonah was seen as powerful. Jonah was seen, it was revered and honored. Hey, Jonah, oh, Jonah, the prophet, hey, come over to my house for dinner. Oh, oh, we want to have Jonah at our gathering because, you know, he's really important. God's hand is on him. I mean, he prophesied the great reality of Israel and we're growing. And wow, Jonah, 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 Jonah. He was growing into celebrity status. Keep that in mind. Because the big question in this book of Jonah, if Jonah was such a great man of God, why did he do what he did? Just kind of keep that and let that resonate in your mind as we walk through this book of Jonah. I hope you join us for all four weeks as we walk through this. But with the prosperity of Israel was a huge nationalistic pride. And yet, as is common, pride can turn into prejudice. Seeing someone of a different nationality as less or not as valuable. Well, at this time in history, Assyria was beginning to grow strong. As a matter of fact, it was it could be argued that Assyria was as strong, if not a little bit stronger and a little bit more wealthy than Israel. So a potential threat. The capital of Assyria was Nineveh. So you can feel the tension when we read the first couple of verses in the book of Jonah, if you haven't already, and see the, why Jonah might respond the way he did. The book is a popular man of God who acted quite the opposite, revealing a heart not so aligned to God's. Now, an interesting fact about this book is that it is read during the Jewish celebration of Yom Kippur, which is called the Day of Atonement. It was a time in ancient Israel, still practiced today, where uh, uh, the 
a high priest in the, in the uh, whether it was the tabernacle, the mobile worship unit, or whether it was the temple in Jerusalem, uh, would on this particular day, the Day of Atonement, would the high priest would come make sure he was purified of all sin. They would tie a rope around his ankle, and he would take a, 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 a chalice of, a, of blood from a spotless lamb, and he would walk into the holy place, past the holy place, in through the huge veil, and come into the holy of holies where God dwelt, and, and he would take the blood and he would sprinkle it over the, the, the seat, the mercy seat, above the Ark of the Covenant, and confess the sins of Israel. And they were atoned for for that year. And so we're not sure. Oh, by the way, there was a, the reason his uh, had an ankle tied, a rope tied around his ankle, because you couldn't be in the presence of God and have sin. If you did, you'd drop dead. So in case the high priest dropped dead, they could just kind of drag him out. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so I just always wonder that what it would be like to be the high priest and go and look at that and go and that man, I sure hope I confessed all my sin. Uh, <clears throat> but we're not sure when exactly the uh, tradition of reading the book of Jonah came into the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement celebration. But as, as you research back into that, many... Uh, uh, People who look into these things and commentators will say that the reason why they read the book of Jonah is to remind people that we are just like Jonah. That we, and I know I can point the finger right at me, that I'm just like Jonah. Because I can run from God easily. And I want God to align to me. I don't want me to align to God. That's too hard. I want him to, come on, my prayers, my heartfelt passion. I want God to align to me. And I want the world to revolve around me. And we're just like Jonah. We're sinful and, and, and need atonement and need a savior. And not only that, we're not beyond the reach of our miraculous God. He wants to al- us to align our hearts to his. And he, we can't run from him. Our trusted response to God's character aligns our hearts to his. Jesus also mentions the book of Jonah um, in Matthew chapter uh, uh, 16, verse 4, and, and Luke 11, verse 29. And uh, uh, we'll delve into that, why that for uh, a little bit later, explain that, but, but Jesus affirms the book. So let's look into this first uh, chapter as we examine God's mercy and four amazing truths of God and and four choices to respond, challenging us that our trusted response to God's character aligns our hearts to his. First, let's look at God's miraculous call, and the question is, what is our choice? So hopefully you have your Bible open to Jonah chapter 1. And let's read this first few verses right here. It says, now the word of the Lord, and, and just so you know, the word Lord is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's, a, that's an indicator that's speaking about Yahweh, the one true God, uh, the, the God of all power, the, the loving kindness of God is all surrounded in that name of God. Yahweh is, is what we normally use when we speak of the Lord in capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil 
has come upon, has come, has, for their evil has come before me. And Jonah got up and ran and went straight to Nineveh. It doesn't say that. It actually says the opposite. <clears throat> but Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of Yahweh, which always um, cracks me up. Because here's, here's Noah, I mean, excuse Jonah. Noah is totally different. Woo. Here's, here's a, a Jonah, a man of God. He knows of God's character. He knows he can't run from God. Almighty, all-knowing, all-everything, personally present everywhere God. There is not a place you can go that God is not there. So I just, he's going to try to run from God. Jonah rose and fleed to Tarshish from the presence of God. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare and went down into it to go to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Now you can see the the the, the, uh, the slide up here. Um, we're not sure exactly where Jonah was. He's probably somewhere in the vicinity of Israel, uh, which is on your far right as you look at the slide up here. Uh, the letter A is Joppa. That's the place where he went down to. And then you see all the way over to the far left, Spain. We think Tarshish is somewhere around in there where the letter C is. Now Nineveh is up where the letter B is. It's just a little bit north of that. God had told and spoke to Jonah and said, go north. Jonah goes south, away from the presence of God. Jonah knew this call was from God, but Jonah's heart was far from God's. Why? Maybe Jonah had got so into, hey, Jonah, come to my house. Hey, Jonah, I want you to sit in this very prominent seat. Hey, Jonah, you seem to be such a, God's power seems to be on you. Will you come and just kind of be with me? Hey, Jonah, he got so used to being in that celebrity status that maybe it went into his head and right into his heart. And he thought, I'm Jonah. Kind of strutting down the sidewalk. I'm Jonah. And people are, wow, Jonah. And he got so into the fact that he was this man of God that he felt like he didn't need to listen to anybody, not even God. We're not sure, but it's evident that Jonah's heart was not aligned at all to God's. And so Jonah ran. But an amazing, miraculous truth of God is that he does call. And he calls each one of his followers. I love First Peter 2.9. We share it all the time to help us remember. God says that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, for those of you who have made a decision of faith, we have a calling. God has has given us a calling. If you were here last week uh, and you heard Pastor May, our pastor of our Khmer uh, Cambodian uh, branch, he he talked about how Peter was given the keys keys to the kingdom, and we know that God has given us those same keys as well to unlock the truth of how amazing God is. Not only the joy of salvation for our own selves, but also for others. And he's given us a calling, a key to use. Not to have God aligned to us, 
but us to align to him and to make the choice to listen and answer the call. For the truth is, God has miraculously called each one of us. He's given us an inkling, a thought. Uh, maybe I should go over to that one neighbor or, or, or maybe that to show kindness to that needy person. I'm called to help, to give, to get involved. That's God's miraculous calling. It's that compulsion we feel to move. But it's also that sense of need to answer the call in obedience because God's word has given us his calling. One is to love our neighbors, Matthew 22, verse 39. In that very famous passage of Matthew 22, someone comes to Jesus and says, what's the most important things that I should do in life? Jesus said, there's two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. And the second is just like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. See, one of the keys that God has given each one of us is to love our neighbors. Matter of fact, write a, write a tic-tac-toe or a hashtag on your page there. Put you in the center and then put all of your neighbors around there. You should at least know their names. One of the ways to love your neighbors is to know their names, is to, is to know them. If you live in an apartment complex, go 3D. Some of you are still thinking about, what does that mean? That means if there's someone above you or get their name, below you, you get it. But, but it says to show love to our neighbor. Not only that, but we're to show Jesus. We're to unlock people's understanding of who Jesus is through our actions. That's why it says in Ephesians 2.10 that God said, you are my workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. To show in the world that I've placed you in, God says, all the goodness of God through how you live your life. And we know from, from, from Matthew chapter 5 verse 16, it says to let your light shine before men so people can see by your good works how amazing God is. In other words, one of the keys that God has given us is to actually be nice people. And come on, you guys are. I mean, look at you. There's beautiful people here. They're kind and nice and considerate, and we should act that way and show the world that, that, that what Jesus is like. And another way to do that is to love our city. Jeremiah 29.7 says to love the city that God placed you in. In other words, to look for opportunities to bless the city. We think so much in our world we need to take, take from relationships, take from our neighbors, take from our cities. No, we should be giving. We should find a way to bless and to give and encourage. That's the call of God on our life. So what's your response? Jonah ran and went down. He went down to Joppa and down into the boat. And let me just say something. Going down was not a good thing. It was not what God intended. And it reveals Jonah's heart not aligned to God's. So how do you respond when God says, go? And even go to someplace uncomfortable like Nineveh. No, it's not easy to go and to meet your neighbors. No, it's not easy to, to do good sometimes. No, it's because we got issues going on in our own life and struggles and that. And now I'm supposed to do good to other people. I don't even feel good about myself. Yet God says, go. How will you respond? God has something amazing he wants to do in you and through us. It's those aha moments that he wants to change in our own life. And you may say, oh, I'm, just a, I'm just a person. What can I do? Why? Oh, I think of all the ways that God has used just a single person. A, a young doctor uh, was, 
was struggling and, and, and felt that God wanted to use him to reach out to the people of China, and so he went. He went over there and used his medical knowledge to be able to help the people in China, but he began to realize that the systems and ways to help people, to tell them about God and Jesus was not working, and so he changed, and he began to dress like the, the, the Chinese people there and began to reach out to them. And now there are millions of Chinese people who follow Jesus because that one guy listened to his call. That one guy is Hudson Taylor, and there is faith in China because of one man. You can say the same about William Carey in Africa. Uh, He's called the father of modern missions because he thought differently about the key that God had given him, and he wanted to use it. There's a a young nurse who was about practicing her medical uh, understanding and, and realized that there was a way that she could really communicate the true value of Christ in her nursing. And so she began, and it began a movement, and Florence Nightingale has uh, revolutionized nursing as it is today because of one woman who made a difference. Many of you know uh, of Mother Teresa This one woman who, in her faith, was seeking to do her thing, and then she realized that there were some really poor people that were getting no attention. They weren't just poor, but they were the poorest of the poor. And so she just began to start reaching it, even against the church. They didn't want her to do that, but they they, they couldn't resist her passion. They couldn't resist her care to show Jesus to people who who, uh, people had forgotten. And Mother Teresa's influence has shaped our world. Just one person, an ordinary person. Now, you may not be a Mother Teresa or a Florence Nightingale or a William Carey or a Hudson Taylor, but God wants to use you in other people's lives if you will simply pick up your key and use it. And that may be simply walking across the street. Ordinary people answering God's miraculous call, aligning their hearts to his. It's a trust in God and a willingness to answer the call. For our trusted response to God's character aligns our hearts to his. The question is, will you? Will you use your key? Another amazing truth of God is a choice, and and a choice is to intentionally, is is that God intentionally disciplines, and therefore, what is our reaction? Let's look at uh, verses 4 and 5 here. Jonah is fleeing from the presence of the God, and and, uh, verse 4 says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up, and the mariners, the sailors, were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and and, and they were hurling the cargo and the ships into the sea to lighten them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ships and had lain down and was fast asleep. And so the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Now, when you read the word, what do you mean, sleeper? It's not just like, oh, you sleeper. Remember, this was a sailor. And there were certain reflections or inflections on this. And it wasn't just you sleeper. It's like you lazy, and you can fill in the expletives. Arise and and call out to your God, this sailor says. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Yes, God has the power to use power to get our attention, sometimes through a person, a Bible verse, a circumstance, and sometimes it's actually unpleasant. 
But all the time, God uses occurrences in our life, good, bad, easy, difficult, times of tribulation, times of triumphs, to teach and to challenge and to get our attention. And here is where the choice comes in. We can either go down like Jonah, down into the bottom of the ship and try to forget what's going on, the storm around us. Or we can just stick our heads in the sand and just simply fall asleep and just ignore it. Or we can focus on how it's not fair or that we don't deserve it or we can just get angry. Or we can choose to humble ourselves and to learn and choose to grow and choose to be refined. Look at Proverbs 12.1. Matter of fact, let, let's read it out, to, out, out loud together. Proverbs 12.1, it says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates repute, reproof is is what? Yeah. Those who hate reproof, who hate discipline, who hate uh, training, who hate trials are... Yeah. Whoever ignores instructions, Proverbs 15, 32, whoever ignores instructions despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains what? You want to be smart? Then, then yield under discipline, under training, under instruction. The key here is, here is to believe God cares because he really does. You know, life is difficult. But praise God, we have a, a great coach, a loving coach who has not forgotten us and who is there to help us to learn. And there's always more to learn. Hebrews 12, 6 says that, that, that the Lord disciplines whom he loves. And sometimes I feel like, I guess God must love me a lot. <laughs> Because it seems like <laughs> there's always something that I struggle with that the Lord is just training me with. But the key is to wake up. To wake up because our trusted response to God's character aligns our hearts to his. And it starts with prayer. Even this pagan sailor who 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 doesn't even know who to pray for or how to pray. He was the one who encourages Jonah to pray. Prayer is a great place to start, especially when we feel like we're under discipline. That's a great response. So yes, God intentionally disciplines, but also God is perfectly personal. Perfectly personal. And the question is, what is our response? Let's read on the bulk of the story here. Verse 7. They said to one another, come, let us cast lots, uh, whether it was drawing straws or, or playing dice or throwing down bits of bone. Come, let us draw lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. You think it was just a, a coincidence? No, God is personal. God personally orchestrates those things so that it calls the attention Woo! right on Jonah. Jonah can't sleep and hide in the bottom of the boat. God is after him. Not in a negative way, but to help him align. They fell on Jonah, verse 8. And then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. 
And I fear the Lord, that's Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of Yahweh because he had told them. And Jonah said to them, or they said to him, they said to Jonah, what shall we do to you? That the sea may be quieted for the sea grew even more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea and then the sea will be quiet for you. For I know this is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew even more and more tempestuous against them. And therefore, they called out to the Lord. Here, now they're praying. Jonah's still not praying. These pagan sailors are praying, Lord, oh Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O oh Lord, have done as it is pleased to you. And so they picked up Jonah and they hurled him to the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. And when the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. God had the lots cast land on Jonah because God is perfectly personal and he cares about you. Because we're just like Jonah. And he cares about you. If you ever doubt that, just write down somewhere on your notes, Psalm 139, and read it sometime. It talks about how God is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. God knows everything that goes on, what we say, what we think. And he still loves us. And he knows it's best for life for us when our hearts are aligned to his. And so even in our rebellion, he's at work. Sometimes it's through a storm uh, in those difficult times. But, but God knows and is right there. The Bible says he will never leave us or never forsake us. We're not alone. And the truth in 1 Peter 5.10 goes like this. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he himself will restore and comfort and strengthen and establish you. Doesn't mean we'll be escaping suffering. Just that he will be there even when we cause it ourselves. And our trusted response to God's character aligns our hearts to his. The question is, will we acknowledge God and humble ourselves and yield and surrender to his will away? Or again, will we be just like Jonah? And what's very interesting is that, is that Jonah actually gave people, this man of God gave people a very inaccurate view of God on that ship. Because basically what Jonah said is that if you just simply take this one act and appease God, then you're okay. He talked nothing about heart alignment. He talked nothing about how great God is and how our lives are dependent upon him and we should be in relationship with him. No, he just said, do this one empty act and you'll be fine. That's an inaccurate view of God. And somehow we have bought into that theology ourselves that if we just go about and do the empty actions, we show up at church, it doesn't make a difference what we pray, if we just can pray some empty prayer, da 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 da, da and that's it, and it's all fine and good. And yet that's not it. It's aligning our hearts to God's. You can pray all you want, you can read the Bible all you want, you can come to church every single day, but if your heart is not aligned to God, it doesn't mean anything. It's just simply empty actions. 
How many of us go through empty actions and think that that's it? And yet our heart is not aligned to God and you know it. I know it. It's easy to know. And yet God wants us to be aligned to him. God wants our hearts to be aligned in him in relationship. God is personal and will continue to love us. And sometimes through tough love. The question is, how will you respond? These pagan sailors acknowledge God and make commitments. What will you do? The last verse it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Oh, I can't wait till next week. <laughs> you got to come back next week. Because Jonah actually prays, but it's not what you think. It's very different from what we think. So I encourage you to come back next week and we talk about that. But the question is, God provides, he miraculously saves. The question is, how will we then live? See, if you've not yet stepped into that place where you've actually received that faith in Jesus, you can and align your life to his. For those of you who have, It's now to take those keys and do something with it, to unlock the joy of salvation for yourself, but also for the Lord, for others. To experience peace, that fulfillment of purpose and more, it's a choice to align to God, not God aligned to us. That trusted response to God's character aligns our hearts to his. See, see, we use a lot of keys in our life. And each time the lock does not conform to the key, the key aligns to the lock. How we align to God is found in our trusted response to God's character. God miraculously calls. Will we choose to answer or run? God intentionally disciplines. Will we choose to learn or keep going down? God perfect is perfectly personal. Will we acknowledge God and personally commit to him or continue to run? God miraculously saves. Will we, out of gratitude, live, learn, grow, follow, and share with others? Or just do nothing? Go sleep in the bottom of the boat. See, we have a choice. My prayer is that your choice would be to align your life to God's. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the reality of your word. Thank you for the joy it is to live for you and to know that just like Jonah, you never give up on us. Lord, you could have just let Jonah just run. And yet, you wanted him to align to you, and you did not stop. You allowed the storm to come. You made the storm to come. And now you've got some fish swallowing it up. And well, We can't wait to see what's next. But God, help us to seek to understand your greatness and align our hearts to yours. Meet with us even in this moment of reflection, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.